It's now time for the Grobstein and Schuster Express on 1252 Sports Chicago. All aboard! Here are your hosts, Les Grobstein and David Schuster. And welcome into the latest edition of the Grobstein Schuster Express. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my longtime friend, Mr. Les Grobstein, host of Score Overnights on WSCR Radio. And Les, uh, we're going to be joined very shortly by Mark Grody, who, of course, works at the score along with you and who was my former teammate. And before we talk about anything else, and this was a tumultuous week, certainly in, in Chicago sports. Do you think? Yeah, I do think. And we're going to talk about all of it. But, you know, if, if Les's sound sounds a little bit different, let me just explain uh, because we had basically a comedy of errors for the last 45 minutes. Some it wasn't funny at all. It wasn't comedy. <laughs> I'm laughing, to be honest with you, because it's a it's a blanking miracle that we made this thing even get on. Um, basically, there was a technical difficulty in what's happening right now. You're seeing less, of course, and you're hearing him, but you're hearing him through my cell phone up against the computer. So talk about meatball surgery to get this on the air. But you know what? As long as the content is good, unless it's got to be good, then we're okay. It's not just a technical difficulty. It's a mechanical difficulty. And those are two different things. And we're, we're getting both of them today. But uh, we had a little switch over. I mean, uh, we're talking several uh, former Cubs who had good weekends, by the way. Uh, not just Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant, who all homered. But Jack Peterson, he went three for five on Friday. He went one for five yesterday. And, uh, you know, Bryant, uh, he ended up homering this past day today, actually. Uh, yesterday and Saturday, uh, Rizzo homered. Rizzo also homered on Friday. And uh, Rizzo also got the game-tying base hit for the uh, Yankees today. So, I mean, all these guys that were not doing that much tremendously of late with the Cubs – Certainly doing it with other teams now. And let's throw in Craig Kimbrell, who had a couple of scoreless innings, you know, in his first two appearances for the White Sox. The White Sox with a big win this afternoon, a walk-off home run. Um, you know, it's by, uh, gosh, who hit that walk-off home run? I'm spacing out right now. Brian Goodwin. Brian Goodwin. Thank you very much. And and you know what? I was thinking about this lesson. We're jumping all over the place. And by the way, our good buddy, Mark Grody, is going to be joining us in just a second. He's in the green room, probably drinking some champagne or something, but he'll be joining us very shortly. Um, I was thinking about this lesson. I've been thinking about this a lot. The White Sox, and they're going to run away and win their division. They're already up nine games now um, by beating Cleveland today. They have gotten, besides getting performances from a lot of the pitchers and, you know, a lot of the, certainly the bullpen, Liam Hendricks, but they've also, hey, that's Mer my good friend, Marilyn. She's inspired. God bless you, Marilyn. Um, anyway, uh, they've been getting some great performances from some of the lesser known players, including Goodwin today. You know, the, the backup, backup, backup catcher, Sebi Savala, with three home runs yesterday. They've just been getting contributions from so many people. It's really an amazing story. But again, when you're a winning baseball team, Les, that's what you have to have. And look what uh, Rafael Ortega did for the Cubs. Is this the first time ever that a White Sox player and a Cub player 
each hit three homers in a game one day after the other? Probably is. I couldn't tell you for sure. I did see that Ortega, who did have, by the way, Ortega's four home runs over the last two days equals all the home runs by, you know, the the big three of Baez, uh, Bryant, and Rizzo, because they had four combined. Peterson makes it five, obviously. Um, but Ortega, you know, people are going to go, oh, my God, look, you know, we got a new player. He's 30 years old. You know yeah, what? New player. I'm not going to get fooled by, hey, good luck to the guy. I'm glad he did it. But come on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, all right, let's, that's obviously the biggest of the big stories. <laughs> you know, with the Sox, you know, making a big trade for getting Kimbrell. And they also picked up uh, Cesar Hernandez from Cleveland, which sort of surprised me. We'll talk about that too, along with Mark Grody. But really, the biggest of the big stories this past week, Les, was the Cubs selling off. I don't think there's any question about that. And all the players, you know, that were looking for new contracts were, were sent off. And, you know, at least the Cubs sent them to teams that are going to probably be in the postseason, all of them. The Giants will for sure. The Yankees are really a better chance now than they were even before Rizzo came aboard. And the Mets still, you know, are probably going to be a playoff team, too. Uh, And maybe even the Braves. So and the White Sox. So really, um, uh, Jed Hoyer did all those players a favor by sending them to teams that are in contention or will be in the playoffs. A lot of Cub fans have ticked off in the first place. But the fact that they made a trade with the White Sox and sent Dick Kimbrell to them, that only adds a little uh, cherry on the frosting on the cake in a, in a reversal. Uh, just speaking, I, I know what most Cub fans have told me, have emailed me, have texted me. They are furious. They were mad at what uh, Jed Hoyer was doing prior to Friday. Now they're even more angry. Okay, well, let's talk about this because – as far as I'm concerned, this was preordained from the moment that Theo Epstein resigned his position. And by the way, by resigning, he gave up his $10 million contract. So he did not want to do what he knew was going to happen down the road, which is what Jed Hoyer had to do. He's making a lot of money through Major League Baseball, too. Yeah, he's getting some money back. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But the bottom line is that, you know, this was preordained. If the Cubs were not going to be in it at the all-star break or the trading deadline, they were going to sell off. And Jed Hoyer was basically under uh, instructions to do exactly what he did. And and certainly when they, you know, they got rid of Darvish, even before the season started less, that told you everything you needed to know. This was going to happen. When they were in first place before the 11-game losing streak, uh, how much were people fooled by that? To fool me once, once uh, shame on you. Fool me one, twice, shame on me. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, I don't know. I, I never thought, even when they were in first place before, that they were still going to be in contention to win the division. I didn't know that they were going to lose eleven in a row. They were going to totally fall apart, and that's exactly what they've done. This is a Triple A team now after this weekend. I don't think they're even a Triple A team, but that remains to be seen for the rest of the season. Let me just ask you this, Les: um, Do you think that maybe the hierarchy? And I'm not talking about Jed Hoyer. I'm talking going all the way up the totem pole. The Ricketts. Yeah. Do you do you think that? I mean, no one likes to lose 11 in a row, but there was a silver lining because now all of a sudden you gave yourself an excuse for trading away all these players. I don't know about that. I mean, neither one of us, you, myself, or anybody else can prove it. Uh, Is it possible? Uh, Anything's possible in this. I don't trust anything or anything about Major League Baseball at this stage, Uh, starting with Rob Manfred, the uh, so-called commissioner. And let's face it, a lot of his walking papers come from uh, the other owners in the game. It's not just him. 
Uh, he didn't come up with all these stupid rules that they've had this year by himself. All right. Well, I have a lot of friends, as I, I'm sure you do. And listen, you've been talking to a lot of people on the air over the last couple of days on the score um, who are just fed up. Uh, and I have some really good friends who are diehard Cub fans, and they say they have had it. That you know, they feel like they've been lied to. They feel like they've been cheated by ownership. They feel like their money was invested into a product that now has been completely changed. And listen, you 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 can almost equate the Cubs winning the World Series, and you know they did get back to the playoffs a couple of times, obviously in the NLCS. But it's almost like the Bears in '85, where you thought that the Bears were going to win at least one, maybe two more Super Bowls, and the Cubs, you thought for sure they were going to ride high and and maybe get another World Series win or two, and they didn't do it. But they did get to another Super Bowl. Well, that was a completely different team, a different coach. That was 20 years. That's 20 years. We're not talking. I understand that, but they did get back to a Super Bowl since '85. Then in '06. Uh, they got there again, and uh, thanks to uh, Lovey Smith and his uh, pathetic uh, uh, performance, he got out coached by his good friend uh, Tony Dungy, and that's another story for another day. Bottom line is, I agree. A lot of fans feel like uh, they they wish they could get their money back. Which good luck on that. That'll never, <laughs> yeah. ever, ever happen. <laughs> that's like the movie. Help me with breaking away. Uh, refund. Refund. Yeah, that's not happening. Obviously. Um, anyway. Let me just ask you this, because now all of a sudden, you know, the Cubs saved a lot of money by, you know, listen, they picked up some of the money that of some of the contracts that they gave up, but they also saved a lot of money as well. Do you think, like like they say, that they're going to reinvest this money in these upcoming offseason in, in the next class of free agents? Do you think they're going to do that or do you think they're going to just pocket the money? I think to a certain extent they're going to pocket it. But, uh, you know, Wisdom, he's not as old a guy as uh, what we've seen with uh, Ortega. Ortega, like you said, he's 30 years of age. Uh, there's others that uh, are not proven yet. And if they think, well, this is the, the future of the team, well, then uh, uh, heaven help the future of the team because it, they could be right back where they were before uh, when it was first taken over by uh, – Hoyer and Epstein and those guys. And at that point, this was a 100 losing team, 100 game losing team. My good friend Marilyn says one World Series may have been enough for their wallets. They know Cub fans fill the stands no matter what. And the papers are soft on them. God bless you again, Marilyn. Um, anyway, it'll be really interesting to see what the Cubs do in the offseason. I, you know, listen, you know, a lot of people say, well, just one or two free agent acquisitions and maybe some of these players resign. First of all, I don't think any of these guys that they jettisoned, whether it's Rizzo or Bryant or, or Baez, I don't think any of them are coming back to the Cubs. I really don't. And if you heard Chris Bryant today and I saw his pregame interview and then even his postgame interview, it's like he's in love already with San Francisco, but ultimately he'll be in love with whatever free agent contract he and his agent get. Yeah, he also is in love with that ballpark in San Francisco. That's one of the best uh, new ballparks. I had that place opened in 2000. It's a magnificent facility. I've been lucky enough to be in there a number of times for uh, uh, even the uh, the Cubs series uh, where uh, they said a couple of nasty things. And I was doing a show from out there, and I was only going to do a couple. I, I was on the air for an hour and a half when I was going to be on for 10 minutes because we saw some nasty things said. And uh, 
uh, I could guarantee you the cup management at that time were pretty upset. I don't know if you, I, I, I even on a podcast, I'm not going to repeat what was said because it was nasty. That's fair enough. You know, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about Bryant and the Giants today because when the Cubs won leading up to winning uh, the World Series in 16, they obviously had to go through uh, the Giants out in San Francisco. Bruce Levine and I were out there for that series. And we went down to Fisherman's Wharf one afternoon. Great place. Highly recommended, of course. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and anyway, we ran into Chris Bryant's fa- uh, mother and father while we were down there. Nicest people. And, you know, even they said that Chris really loves that ballpark in that city. So, again, uh, for what little solace it is, you know, maybe to anybody, at least Jed Hoyer sent all these guys to places where they have a chance to win another ring, if, if that's possible. Anyway, with all that said, Les, let's bring in – both of our good friends, your current teammate, my former teammate. I hope he's my future teammate once again. Let's bring in Mark Grody, and you can talk. There he is. Hi, oh, guys. Mark. What's happening, gentlemen? It's so good to see your your smiling faces on a Sunday night talking all things baseball and football and whatever. I'm sure you guys will even talk about the NBA and Io DeSumo and all that good stuff too. Oh, we absolutely will. And that's why you're the perfect person because you've been doing talk shows along with Les and I'm sure you've heard everything over the last few days, but I love the tweet that you sent out. It was when uh, uh, the new Blackhawks goaltender, Mark uh, Andre Fleury, and he said, I'm here. And what? how did you uh, open up your tweet? I oh, just, hi, Mark. I just went, oh, hi, Mark. Because <laughs> a lot of times when I go on the score, they play that clip for me from the, I don't even know what movie it's from, but it's, Oh, Hey Mark. And right. so I finally got to say, Oh, Hey Mark. to Mark Andre Fleury. <laughs> Made me laugh. Hey, l- let me ask you, before we get to football, we're going to talk a lot about football. And like I was talking to Les, I mean, this has been a tumultuous week in Chicago sports, baseball likely leading the way with the sell-off by the Cubs and the, and the White Sox acquisitions. But the Bears opened up their training camp, and there's a lot of stories there. The Bulls, you know, brought in a local kid, Ayo Dosumu, um, you know, from Illinois. I'm not as excited as some other people, although I hope he does well. The Blackhawks, you know, with, uh, again, bringing in Mark andre Fleury and making some other acquisitions. Um, but I want to start with the Cubs, Mark, because, you know, the first time around there was the curse of the GOAT that they didn't win for all that time. But they haven't won anything since you've been in that broadcasting booth. So if it's not the curse of the goat, it's the curse of the groat. E. Wow. That is, you know what? I, every once in a while, there's been like a steady flow of people blaming me for leaving the pre and post game post. Um, you yeah, know, like so. what you're doing. What's that? <laughs> like what you're doing. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. I don't have that kind of power. But. <laughs> If it helps people, I will accept the blame. If that if that's what people need, I'm here to be your hero. But what 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 are your thoughts on what the Cubs did? I mean, it was pretty historic trading away all those guys, you know, and that followed, you know, getting rid of Darvish at the beginning of the season and every name player that had something to do really with the 16 series was traded that day. Even even Schwarber was traded to to Boston that day. Something dramatic has been coming in this organization really since they they won the the National League Championship Series, or they were in the National League Championship Series, I should say, back in 2017 and lost to the Dodgers. Really since then, you know, 2018, 19, and 20, it was such a similar story every year where the offense faded away 
and either they would bow out in the regular season or get into the postseason and lose because of the offense. So something was has been coming for quite some time. I did not see it happening where they all go all at once on the same day. I mean, that was not the same day technically, but to have it happen that dramatically, I didn't see it coming. We all knew that something was going to happen, but to that to that extent, no, I didn't see it coming. But I don't know. I think it's sad, but it's not necessarily bad because for whatever reason, this group, this core was just no longer getting to the next level. And a good thing about the Cubs these days and, and their fans, the expectations are higher. It's a different organization that instead of expecting, you know, 40,000 fans in the stands every day, which they still expect, it's more about winning now, which I think is good. So I, it's kind of a it's a mixed emotion that, that I am having, I think, just like everybody else. But something needed to change, let's face it. And let's put this in here, too. Uh, i mentioned this a million times. There's no such animal as a, a, a curse, a hex, or anything along that line. Or it just doesn't exist. So uh, uh, I basically will say you're you're not guilty of anything with regard to that, Mark. Yeah, Schuster, don't be don't be stirring that stuff up. Now you. Oh, gotta... I always do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? That, that's on the serious side of that. That's one of the good things that this version of the Cubs did. Like, I, I will always say that this version of the Cubs, which ultimately ended, we think, will always be successful because it did put away all that silliness, whether it was the curse or Bartman or, hell, the 69 Cubs, the 84 Cubs, the 2003 Cubs. All that stuff was kind of just wiped out. It all it wiped it all out. And, it, it I mean, it still exists. But it's not at the front row anymore. Mark, the people who bring that up more than anybody else are White Sox fans. There you go. Fans, Brewer fans, and both of those those that exist, and that's both Marlins fans. Hey, Mark, I'm going to say this. Uh, first of all, you're right. I mean, the memories certainly of winning the whole thing, and even leading up to winning the whole thing. 15 was a really good year. 15 obviously was a great year. And there were some good memories even after that, even though they, they started fading down the stretch in these last couple of years. But, you know, I'll never forget being in Cleveland with you, of course, in 16, and, and with Pat and with Coomer and everybody else. I mean, that's, that's a memory I, I will absolutely never forget. Here's Fat Mike. Did Mike want to say something? Here was Fat Mike. What, what happened to Fat Mike? I'll just read what he wrote here. I personally still hate Steve Bartman. Uh, oh, I can't read the rest. Um, anyway. Mike, it wasn't his fault. He had nothing to do with it. Hey, you can, you can blame Mark Pryor for not getting that third out in that inning. That is true. Let, let me ask you this, Mark. Um, do you think that what happened over the last couple of days, meaning Thursday and Friday at the deadline, do you think that was preordained if they weren't going to be, you know, in a position to challenge for anything this season? Because I do. I think Theo Epstein knew this was going to happen. Um, I think, you know, when they traded Darvish even before the season, they were sort of signaling already that this was what's going to happen down the road. Oh, yeah. I mean – they didn't expect to have a winning season this year. When you trade away the runner-up for Cy Young, 
and you get back what they got back and you get one major league starting pitcher and a starting pitcher at that and Zach Davies, who is, you know, a three in a rotation at best and then a bunch of no-name guys, it is a salary dump and it should have told the fans, it should have told the organization, the players in the organization, everything they needed to know. You do not trade away one of the best pitchers in baseball if you expect to win. When they signed Jock Peterson, it brought back a little bit of hope because it was like, okay, I thought they were going to go to bat with some, you know, no-name left fielder. They brought in Jock Peterson, and, you know, so, I, yeah, that trading was everything. Five on a Friday night <laughs> with his new team in Atlanta. That Jack Peterson, yeah, that, yeah. Well, he's got new, he's got new lifeless. What about the other side of town, Mark? I mean, what do you think about the White Sox? They had some holes, obviously. Uh, they, you know, to a lot of people, uh, surprise, they picked up another closer, and we'll see in the long run or the short run if it works with both those guys. So far, I guess it's okay. Um, and they also got a second baseman because they were down one. They gave up Madrigal. Some people are upset about that. Other people are not. What do you think about what the White Sox did? They needed another bullpen arm. I mean, it's it's too bad that they did because we thought at the beginning of this season that they were going to have one of you know a top three bullpen in baseball. It simply hasn't worked out that way this year. All the guys that you were depending on have become you know the opposite of that, except for that you know there were two guys who were good this year in the bullpen, Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks. Really, that's it. I mean, Matt Foster failed early on in the season. Cody Hoyer. Even, you know, a guy who ended up on the Cubs, he failed in the eighth innings time after time after time. Um, you know, you name the, the guy, and he was not good this year for the White Sox in that bullpen. So they had to. And, you know, now it's like a blessing in disguise because you have maybe the two best closers in baseball, and it's it's the cliched, proverbial good problem to have. So it's a, it's a great great move for the White Sox. It might even be a good move for the Cubs because Cody Hoyer was good last year. You get the guy this year. Um, they need more contact, so Nick Madrigal can supply that for you. But, now nah, this move, getting getting Craig Kimbrell is, is great for the White Sox. You want to read that thing, or should I read it? Why don't you read it, Les? Go ahead. Frank Ross being the architect of the rebuild. Who are they going to Get to do that, Tony Larusa. Uh, I don't think so. Well, first, first, first of all, a, ma- a manager, a, a manager is not the architect of anything. He he, he plays <laughs> who he has. But her point is well taken. I mean, who's going to be the manager the next time they win? Is it going to be David Ross or somebody else? I think that's what the question is. I think that's a really interesting question, actually, because I think there's two parts to this, like. David Ross did not sign up for this necessarily. That is everybody leaving and essentially until further notice, until they do sign players, this is a rebuild. So I don't know if Ross signed up for this. I also don't know if, you know, Theo Epstein is the one that hired David Ross, not Jed Hoyer. I'm sure Hoyer has a great relationship with him, but we just don't know. We don't know where David Ross stands. I have the greatest uh, solution for the Cubs. Oh, good. You you get Dale Swain to come in for a season and a half, then you get Rick then you get Rick Renteria to come in for about a season or give or take, then you see if Joe Madden's still available with his RV, and you, you put it all together. You've you're missing one name. Who Mike am I missing? Quaddy. Oh my God, Mike Quaddy. Well, bring let's bring back Lou. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get, 
I don't know who these players are anymore. If you had Bryant, you had Rizzo, and, and now there's nobody like Wilson Contreras is that. To your friend Laura, no, not Joe Girardi. I told everybody he was not a candidate to get the job uh, this time around, and uh, and what Ross got instead. Nobody believed me. I said Girardi has no chance of getting the Cub job, and he had no chance. Yeah, Joe Girardi's hearing plenty of booze right now in Philadelphia, so <laughs> I think he'll stay put for a while. He's got a three-year deal anyway. What's that, Les? He beat the crap out of the Cubs uh, when the, the Phillies played the Cubs here. Yeah, that's true. And he'll get another chance before the season's over. Um, let's let's switch over to the Bears, Mark. You know, I got a bunch of questions. Obviously, you know, everybody's super excited about Justin Fields, and right, rightfully so. I think it was a just a great acquisition in the draft, and it gives it gives fans hope. Um, what's your opinion, minus injury, of course, to Andy Dalton? and how he plays, when should we see Justin Fields? Well, that's the billion-dollar question. I will say this, that having watched them both that obviously every day in training camp, right now Andy Dalton is the is the better quarterback, and that probably was to be expected. And Justin Fields hasn't been bad. He had one day that I guess you could call bad. But since then, he has been pretty good. But Andy Dalton, you know, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. There are things that Justin Fields has to learn. And, and even in the last couple of days, he's picked it up. So who knows what his progress will be as time goes on. If, if Justin Fields does continue to progress at a, at a high rate, even in camp, even in the preseason games, it's not out of the question that he would start September 12th. Probably not. But what Matt Nagy has said all along, and I, I am going to believe him, he has said, when I, when I see it, I'll know it. And I'm also assuming that that could happen at any time. So I, I do think it's going to take a few games. You know, I, I, I would, if you really want to pin me down on a guess, I would say game six or seven, unless, unless Andy Dalton is just absolutely lights out and he's undeniable. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, obviously Fields and Dalton are one or two, two and one, whatever. Nick Foles is still on this roster, and I get a, I get it such a kick whether it's you or Big saying, "Well, he looks great against that third team defense." I laugh my butt off at that, but uh, I mean, listen, he is absolute trade bait, is he not? I mean, you know, there are teams, and Indianapolis, you know, is already down a quarterback in Carson Wentz, and they signed some guy today who I never heard of before. So, I mean, is it is it likely that he will be dealt for some kind of draft pick? I don't know how it will go down. Did you see who the Saints signed today? What's that, Robert? Did you see who the New Orleans Saints signed today? No. Prince of Mukamara. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay. All right. Prince of Mukamara, man. He was uh, the big part of the the of the choreography of the defensive dances back in the day. He was a little, little secret. He was the leader of all of that. You know what he was, Mark? He was the guy to go to after games and get a good sound bite. <laughs> that too, yes. <laughs> but what, 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 dudes what, about, what about Foles, though? I mean, are they smart enough to at least take a look around before the season starts and maybe get a fourth or fifth round pick for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if you would get that at this point, but somehow, some way, I, I I find it hard to believe that he would be on this roster like at, at this point in his career as a third string quarterback. I can't I can't see Nick Foles wanting that, and I'm sure the Bears would accommodate him in some way, shape, or form if if they could. I imagine they probably could get you know may, maybe five through seven, 
uh, if they're lucky, a fourth round pick. But yeah, I mean, I, I had been saying the same thing that, you know, watch for injuries around, you know, in the preseason right now. And that's when you'll start to hear Nick Foles' name. But the first time that it did happen in Indianapolis, we did not hear his name. So right. he's been out there. He's been taking third string reps and we'll have to stand by and see. But I don't see him being on this team September 12th. Go ahead, Les. Well, basically, uh, before we, you know, it's an opening part of the schedule. We all know that. Opening with the Rams, then they have two teams from the AFC North, uh, including the Bengals, and uh, we don't even know if they're going to have their uh, quarterback or anything like that. But uh, the bottom line is we don't know who the Bears are going to have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like a lot a lot is going to happen between now and what's the first preseason game uh that's when it's going to be interesting on August 14th, because Matt Nagy has said over and over, three times now, I've been counting, that he is going to play starters more in the preseason, like making it sound like they'll play a lot. And he also said that Justin Fields will play a lot in the preseason. And I think that that's where we're going to be able to gather the most intel about him, as in how ready would Justin Fields be to a either start the season or if he's the backup quarterback and Andy Dalton, God forbid, gets injured on September 12th, is Justin Fields ready to come in? And we're going to learn more about that in those, again, three preseason games this year. And I know Grabber loves the preseason. so. Well, I used to, I used to go to preseason games even on the road all the time. I've gone overseas for three of them. I went to uh, London. I got to go over there for a whole week for Bears and uh, – uh, Cowboys in 86. I went to Sweden when they played the Vikings. I went to uh, uh, the game in Germany when they played the uh, – that was kind of cool in Germany when they ended up playing. The, uh, they didn't play in Germany. They played the 49ers in that one. They got slaughtered. And then in Ireland, the game against uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Today, I wouldn't go across the street for that. I mean, I'd go to Silver Field for the home games, but uh, for any of these road games – they only have one road game this year, and that's with the uh, uh, Tennessee Titans. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee on uh, August 28th. This year, and I'm glad they cut it down to three from four because uh, and then by next year, they might add an, another game and make it 18 regular season and only two preseason. Don't be shocked. You know, Mark, I, I had so many bare questions, but you threw me off balance because you brought up Mike Quaddy's name. So I'm really <laughs> in a deep sweat right now. And the thing I most remembered about Mike Quaddy, he used to walk around with that blue bat during batting practice. Uh -huh. I don't know what the hell he did with it. It was almost like something out of the movie. Um, gosh, who was the movie where the guy walked around with a big club? I can't even remember. Oh, what was it called? The blue bat? Walking Tall was oh, the guy. Oh, okay. Walking Tall. Anyway, I do have some bear questions, actually. Why the small crowds at Lake Forest? What's going on up there? I don't really, I don't have the exact answer to that, but I mean, there's, there's a number of things. I mean, they, they, Bears fans can't just show up. You have to have a ticket. You have to enter a lottery to get the tickets and you get four up to four tickets if you would like. Um, so I think that that scared some people away in terms of doing it like that. People also had, they're, they're being shuttled from the mall, the Mount, I think it's Vernon Hills mall to Lake four or to Hallis hall. I don't know if that's like, turn been a deal breaker for some people uh but it's yeah it's it's really surprising like it's i mean they, again they allow for a thousand a day there's been maybe two or three hundred people like every day and it's very quiet and very odd so i'm i'm not sure i would imagine 
that the the Bears are going to look into it, or they probably have some idea of why, and they'll try to change it, Not if not for this year, but for, for next year. And, and COVID could also be scaring people, too. I was going to say that's got to be the reason, because you can't really interact with the players or get autographs or anything, can you? No, I don't know. I don't think that that is. Yeah, I can't imagine. I haven't seen anybody doing that. But yeah, I, I think that there are people who are still scared to be around big crowds. So I imagine that could be part of it. And then just the, you know, going online and getting in a lottery and being in a waiting room. I mean, I just I don't know if people have thought that it was worthwhile or maybe they didn't think it was possible that they were going to actually get tickets. So I'm not sure. Go ahead, Les. Um, by the way, uh, just so, in case anybody wondered, the uh, Red Sox lose again. They get swept by Tampa Bay. No one oh. cares. No. Who, who cares? <laughs> What's up with the Boston update? You got money on them, Grover? What's going on? You broke into that like it was. Uh... Sox and Yankees both lose. I'm happy. Now, the Yankees did uh, win today, but uh, I'm so sick and tired of both of those teams being crammed down our throat. All right. Hey, hey, do you hate Anthony Rizzo now because he's on the Yankees? No, I like Anthony Rizzo, but it's uh, he- He's with the Yankees. You know, I'll be I'll be in Iowa for that game between the White Sox and the Yankees. It's a week from this upcoming Thursday, so I'll get a chance to talk to Anthony. Hopefully, disappear into the cornfields. I hope so. You're going to that game. I am going to that game. Yeah, wow, that's fan- Are you you're covering it? Yes. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to go there. Maybe maybe uh, Kevin Costner will be there. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, hey, he'd be like, oh, you're David Schuster. You're the guy that used to review all the movies on the score. Right. Of Blue <laughs> hey, let me let me let me ask you this, Mark. Um, back to Bears and current football. In my mind, I have a couple of guys who have to have major rebound seasons. I got two in mind. Let me see if they jive with you. Who are your two two guys? Um, I think Robert Quinn is numero uno. Number one. Is that one of your guys? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he he's he's got to make he's got to make his existence worthwhile. Um, and you know, he he admitted that he was bad. Um, I'd go with him, and I'll stand the defense too. I think Eddie Jackson, man. I mean, he um, you know, he he had zero interceptions last year. Right. He had a he had a bad season last year, so. I think that, and especially with such a young secondary with Jalen Johnson, and who knows who's going to play opposite of Jalen Johnson. It could be Kendall Vildor or Desmond Trufant. But I think he, it's like he, he has to have a, a big year. So those are my my two guys. All right. So what what's the story with Mustafer? He said he could eat everything he wanted. I mean, you know, is it sort of scary to walk by him where he might take a bite out of somebody or something? <laughs> yeah. So they so they asked him to put on some weight, you know, and – they, it's you know it's supposedly muscle weight, but yeah, he he straight up said he said it's like an offensive lineman's dream. He they was told eat whatever you want, dude, and he's like you know Lou Melnati's pizza, fried chicken, whatever, dude. So I I don't think that's just I don't think that's just a dream for offensive linemen. By the way, that's a dream of all of us. Go ahead, eat what you want. Actually, you're going to be a more productive human being if you eat whatever you want. I mean, that is the dream, right? Yeah, you know, we have our walk down memory lane segment upcoming in just a second here, less I and, and even yourself, Mark. But actually, you just sparked an, uh, an old time memory, at least when they were up in Platteville, and that was that was the end of the world as far as I'm concerned. You used to be able to eat with, at the tables adjacent to the Bears in, in the old whatever cafeteria. And when I saw William the uh, Fridge Perry, 
carrying his tray over with about three chickens and everything else around it. Oh my God. That was a frightening sight. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. And that's, that's when, that's when players didn't carry that kind of weight. Now half the league looks like that. You're right. When they moved the team to Bourbon A, which they had to do in 2002, that was an agreement with the state of Illinois. When they did that, uh, that was basically the end of uh, being around players and stuff like that. And then they, uh. All right, so let me ask you, Les, because I was at training camp. I haven't been to Hallis Hall yet so far, but I was at training camp in Platteville, again, the end of the world. Um, I was also at Bourbon A, the second end of the world. But I never went to Rensselaer. I'm sure you did. What was that like? I was just a kid then. I, I was not working uh, for the media. I think the final year I was. Uh, they played a – they actually had a, not a game, but a scrimmage with the uh, Cardinals. And that was kind of cool. One year they had a scrimmage against the college all-stars who existed then, and they lost seven to nothing. I'll never forget the best thing I saw in the newspapers the next day. Someone wrote in and said, Cardinal seven bears nothing. Bring back Jim, D bring back Jim Dooley. Uh, that was kind of fun. But um, St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer obviously still exists, but uh, they moved out of there. Temporarily, Jim Finks moved them up to the and eventually that's when they ended up going up to Platteville. What's it, what's it like up at Hallis Hall having the training camp up there, Mark? I mean, obviously they've approved a lot of uh, a lot of the facilities up there. How, how different is it? I got to tell you, they it, it's uh, they're pulling it off in terms of the the, the bleachers that I mentioned have not been filled. Um, they're, they've used one of the back parking lots to put up like the, the interactive area where kids can, you know, bean bags and, um, you know, the whole interactive process and experience and all that kind of stuff. Like I didn't I, I couldn't picture it in my mind how it would look if the Bears were going to hold training camp there. But I got to say it, it it looks the part. And um, now it's just a matter of like we were talking about earlier, just trying to get more people to come out there but it's you know there's there's tents all over the place and signs you know to direct people on which way to go they've got grills set up out there uh like i said the bleachers so it, it's kind of that um you guys have both been to bourbon a and it which was a carnival atmosphere and they they set set it up similar to that not the same kind of space and not the same kind of population though Mark, in your opinion, you know, you always hear about either coaches or GMs that are on the hot seat even before a season starts. Is there any hot seat for either Nagy or, or, or Pace going into this season? I don't I, – here's the way I look at that. I, I think – I don't think that there is an edict that they have to make the playoffs because George McCaskey, the, you know, the Bears' primary owner – the chairman basically said, you know, he said that there's not. I mean, we had him on. I was part of the interview, and he he said, no, there's not some sort of – but sometimes they don't make those kind of things public. And, of course, if the Bears are like – if the Bears go three and um, – I'm trying to do the math this year with 17 games. If, if they're three and – no, 14. 14. <laughs> if they're – yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what my brain was doing. It's late. Uh, if they're three and fourteen this year, all bets are off. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it, it's hard. Like, I, I guess we go on what we've been told, and that's that they're not necessarily on the hot seat. But every coach is on the hot seat if you have a horrific season. I mean, the Bears have been eight and eight for the last two years. If if it goes much worse than that, then 
then who knows? But that that definitely has been downplayed in terms of whether or not they're actually on the hot seat. All right. So while you opened up training camp with the Bears in Lake Forest, Aaron Rodgers came into town with Green Bay, and that was a major story up there. Was there any conversation, you know, to the south at Lake Forest about Rodgers? And I mean, he ripped the crap out of that organization. What what was the conversation, if at all, about all that? You know, it's funny. I can give you one example. Like, I, I guess we haven't asked a lot of players about it, but we did ask Roquan. I don't remember the reporter that asked, but somebody brought it up to Roquan Smith. Like, does it, you know, some, the way the question was posed, it was something like, did it suck to see that Aaron Rodgers reported to camp and he's back, you know? And Roquan was like, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, I like playing against that guy. He's like, I like to play against the best. So, you know, I, I think that's, What's that, Grover? Is it Mike Losing? <laughs> I don't. I'll ask him. I'll ask him the next time I see him. I don't. I have reason to believe he does Huh? I said, does he like getting his ass kicked? No, I, I, I don't think so. Like I said, I'll, I'll definitely ask him. But I don't know, Grover. These guys are, you know, they're, they're on a ten on one through ten on how competitive they are. So they want to beat the best, man. They don't want to have some scrub in there. They want to. They want to. They want it to be legitimate, you know. But they better learn how to beat their meat before they learn how to beat uh, the other team. <laughs> Les talks a lot dirtier on podcast than he does here on the radio. If you didn't notice already, Mark, you let the grabber loose. So some grabber asked clearly, "Can I swear <laughs> and say dirty stuff?" And you're like, "Yep, you can." Make sure you go back to Roquan Smith and ask just the way Les just said it. Do you like getting your ass kicked by Aaron Rodgers? Right. Well, you know, Les, you'll be at the games this year. You could ask him. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'd love that. Is there going to be locker room access after games, or are they going to trot them out in the hallways, or how, what, how's that going to work? I think there's going to be locker room access. I'm not completely clear on it, and it, it, things could change. I mean, my God. I mean, I, I have to go back to wearing a mask and – my, I live in a high rise and they're requiring masks again tomorrow. So I think right now the way it's set up is that there will be some locker room access, but who knows, man, who knows that it will change. And yeah, obviously the players that are not vaccinated, they, they won't, I don't think that they're going to be available to us or maybe they'll be available in some other way, shape or form. And I don't know how many media members are going to let into the locker room. So it's a whole, it, yeah. I mean, I think we will be, but stand by who things could change. Did you see this, both you guys, that the Minnesota coach, uh, is that Zimmer? I think it's still Zimmer. That uh, the Minnesota coach was really PO'd because of his four quarterbacks, only one of them is vaccinated, and he is pissed off about that. Well, Robert, your guy Ron Rivera was going off too, wasn't he? Yeah, him too. Well, they they both have every right to be. The whole thing is a bunch of baloney. Uh, And am I one to talk? Yeah, I've had my vaccinations. Uh, Kathy had hers. Good. Had his. He's a fellow ISU alum, as you are, Mark. That's right. That's right. Uh, one of your fans misses you on the Cubs broadcast, Mark. I mean, I'm sure you haven't heard that before. I can't. I can't read it. I, what are they saying? They said they miss you. They just they love Aww, you. Thank you. I miss you too. <laughs> however, however, I do like covering. 17 games a year as opposed to 162 games a Hell year. Hell yeah, you're not on the road as much either. Speaking of which, are you going to be traveling at least initially or down the road? What's the deal? Unfortunately, I will not be. Um, it's possible that 
I will like maybe the Green Bay road trip, maybe Detroit. So in other words, perhaps the division games, but no, right now because of uh, budget constrictions due to the pandemic, I am only doing the sidelines for home games. All right. And how about Joniak? Is he going to be uh, yeah. yeah, Jeff Joniak and Tom Fayer, they're back on the road this year. So they will cover every game from – you know, Homer, Homer Road, they will be there at the stadium, which is great. So, all right. steps, I guess. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you at the stadium, of course, also, Mark. Hey, hey let's brother. let's move on to our walk down memory lane segment. Okay. And I'll lead off. Just think of some something, anything over all the years. And, Mark, you can go baseball, football, whatever you want. Or you can talk about your transitions with Grobstein at 445 in the morning, whatever you want. <laughs> anyway, I'll give you mine since it was the trading deadline. Uh, this past week, I remembered a trading deadline. I think, help me out, Les. I think the year was 2004, and it was right up against the deadline. I think it was a Saturday afternoon, and Jim Hendry, who was a GM at that time, was had that cell phone, which was almost surgically attached to his ear, by the way, all the time. And he was walking, walking. He was obviously on the phone trying to pull off a deal, and he did. Literally like a minute before the deadline, Nomar Garcia-Para came over from the oh. Red Sox. And, you know, Garcia Parra was a hell of a player in Boston. He was a five-time All-Star. He won a couple of batting titles, yada, yada, yada. He only played 105 games over a season and a half with the Cubs. He was pretty injury-prone before he even went on to the Dodgers. Of course, he got Mia Hamm as his wife, so he, he wasn't all that bad. But uh, I just remember that he pulled that one off literally with seconds to go at the trading deadline. Yeah, and uh, Garcia Parra just couldn't stay healthy once he came here. That was his biggest problem. Right. Either of you guys, if you want to throw out before we get to stump the grabber. Well, well, I'll just, I'll go just because I you stimulated a, me a memory that I have with Jim Hendry um, in regards. Do you, remember, do you guys remember when the Cubs got Rich Harden? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pitcher. So they get him. and four innings and then he starts. Yeah, so I, I was working at WBBM at the time, and we had gotten like, a t and this was when information was not as accessible, uh, you know, as it is now, where everybody knew, knows everything about everything, um, you know, in terms of velocity and all that kind of stuff. But we had heard that, you know, his his velocity was down, and so I I was gonna I go on the field, and I, and I like Jim Hendry. But he was down in the field, and as you guys both know, he was one of the more accessible guys. Like, if, if you wanted to talk to him, he usually would talk. And so I wanted to get him on the record, and I asked him, I said, hey, we had, a, we had a tip that Rich Harden's velocity was down. And I've got the tape rolling, and he's like, hold on a second. He goes, turn that off. Turn off that tape recorder. And he <laughs> fucking undressed me. Um, he, Literally? Oh, he was like, you guys, your stories and, and your BS and – I can't even believe, like, I don't know where you guys get this stuff. He's, like, spitting at me, you know? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and and, and I, I go, Jim, this is why I'm asking you. I'm asking you this question so you can clear it up and you can tell me I'm wrong. So, and then he's like, blah, blah, and he just walked away. And then I saw him, like, 20 minutes later and and walking through the, the, the old Cubs clubhouse. And he just looks at me and he's like, he's like, all right. He's like, I'm sorry. It's over. It's over. It's over. I, I'm sorry. So that that was Henry when, when the Cubs signed Kevin Gregg, and I yeah. I said to him, and you were standing right there. That I was, was right Cubs. there. Yep. And I said to him, and I'd always got along Jim with Jim, and I did after that too. And I said, Jim, uh, 
why did you sign a guy to be a closer in this ballpark that gave up more home runs than any pitcher in baseball? Yeah. What are you talking about? He looks at me and goes, oh, and he gave me the same thing he gave you. And he was, remember how furious he was? Oh, he was, he was furious with you because that, that was like a feel good night and everybody's loving life. And yeah, Grober came hard with it. It was a good question, man. I'll never forget it. I can yeah, never be. Not only that, they, they, they also, uh, they got the worst outfielder possibly. Remember? Who, oh, was that the Milton Bradley? That was him. Oh, yeah. Well, Lou Pinella pushed Hendry into getting uh, Milton Bradley. That's yeah, what happened there. The left. It was yeah. Bradley. Pinello had a, a bit. Well, no. Pinello wanted a left-handed hitter. You know, and, and this guy was a switch hitter who could only hit homers righty. Listen, he was a complete. He was he was one of the worst things that ever happened to the Cubs. There's many bad things, but he was up there. And then he and Pinella had a falling out about a third of the way through the season. And then Hendry had to dump his ass at the end of the season. So Milton Bradley was just a terrible human being on top of being a, a mediocre player with the Cubs. You know, it's it's also funny. I remember another draft, or I think it was like right at the deadline when the White Sox. I think it was. The White Sox picked up big game James Shields, um, yeah. and they got him after he had given up 10 runs in like a third of an inning. And I used to – I remember then and as I do now, why do you acquire a guy who just had one of his worst outings of his entire cool. life? Yeah. Don't you let him at least have maybe another outing or two before you uh, – it wasn't right at the deadline. It was a little bit before that, actually. Um, anyway. Uh, well, it's like, well, it was a combination, I think, of Rick and Kenny, to be honest with you. Anyway, and then he, then he came here, and then he was as equally as bad in a White Sox uniform for a long stretch as he was in that final outing out in San Diego. And, of course, they gave up, you know, a future all-star also to get him, which made it even worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was terrible. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, what's this, Junior. Junior yes. in uh, San Diego. Why am, I, why am I blanking out his name right now? <laughs> Tatis. Um, yeah, Tatis, who was injured. Um, yeah. yeah, so that no, that and that one was is pinned on Rick Hahn for whatever it's worth. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I don't know if Mike is able to cue this up, but it's time now for what was that? Uh, that was the what? Live and let live. I'm not familiar with that expression. It's a James Bond. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. Of course, I'm alive. Queens on Casino Night. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. I want to say for the record, I did not kill anyone. Stanley was attacked by his own heart. I know where this is going. Do you? Okay. It's now time for Stump the Grobber on the Grob Scene and Shooter Express. Stump the Grobber, it's one of our segments that we do here on the Schuster Grobstein, or actually I give myself top billing for once, Grobstein Schuster Express, sorry Les. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know it doesn't, but it's also, look Look at, he put on his Mr. Magoo glasses. Um, it's also Stump the Grody too. And so, all right, here we go, guys. Um, oh, oh, Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it again. Anyway, all right, here's a tough one right off the bat. Guys, who's the only person to be inducted or enshrined into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, and the College Football Hall of Fame? Uh, you were breaking up. You say NFL 
Yeah, who's playing? Les, don't play with your phone. Yeah, something, something's not. I can't hear. All right, well, there, someone's playing with their phone. All right, again. Who's the only person to be in, inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, and the College Football Hall of Fame? Oh, my God. It's a tough one. Oh, I think wait. Isn't, can't think of the name. Well, that's really good, Les. <laughs> <laughs> wait, did you say college, NFL, and MLB? MLB, NFL, and college football. Man, it, it it could have been Bo Jackson, but it, he never no. made the MLB. No, it was not. No. Um, Jim Thorpe? No, but that's a decent answer. That would have been my guess is Jim Thorpe. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the answer. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. He was a major league umpire. Oh, very good. Is it Dutch Runner? No. Is it um, Frank Pulley? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> wasn't Angel Hernandez either, let me tell you. <laughs> was it the, an, the answer the answer was Cal Hubbard. Wow. Cal Hubbard. Cal Hubbard played nine years in the pros uh for Pittsburgh, I think the Giants and Green Bay, if I remember correctly. He also uh, was a major league umpire for many years. And uh he went to Centenary College, Centenary College in Louisiana. Wow. I don't feel at all bad for not knowing that. I have never heard of Cal. What was his name? Played there, but what was what is Centenary's nickname? I don't know, Les. The gentleman. The gentleman. Yep. Oh. The gentleman. Where? Yeah, that <laughs> Centenary played Loyola with Robert Parrish at Chicago Stadium. That was the last stadium doubleheader they ever had. Loyola played Centenary. And Northwestern played Northern Illinois. The okay. All right. All right. Well, well, Les, you just answered my second question um, because <laughs> I'm going to say, what other famous player who went into a Hall of Fame also played at Centenary College? You just answered it. Say it again, Les. Robert the Chief Parish. Nice. Nice. Very good. Unbelievably skinny. Yeah, I saw Robert Parrish in college because – Centenary came up to play. I went to Southern Illinois. It's one of, like one of the four few things that I remember because everything else was a fog for the four years that oh, I was there. I, I bet. <laughs> but did I do remember. What's that? Did Centenary beat uh, SIU? Uh, you know, I, I might have been two uh, altered states. I don't remember, to be honest with you. But, uh, it, but it was a good game nonetheless because, you know, the Salukis had a really good team. That was when Mike Glenn and Josie Merriweather played, and they did play against Centenary, and I honestly I don't remember who won. Um, all right. Obviously, the White Sox and the Cubs pulled off a big trade with Craig Kimbrell coming to the White Sox. So the question was now Craig Kimbrell and Liam he uh, Hendricks combined within five, guys, within five, how many combined saves did the two guys have career-wise? Oh my God! Between the two of them, mm -hmm. three hundred. Uh, nope. I'll say four hundred. Keep going. Wow, six hundred. No, not six hundred. <laughs> I just wanted to get the ridiculous one out so we can get a better. Four hundred and fifty-six. Getting close. Getting very close. Four. The answer. The answer is four hundred and thirty-six. And you know, people have to keep in mind. I mean, Kimbrel who will be a Hall of Famer someday. He's got 371, and he still has a lot of good years left in him. Hendricks only has 66, but, boy, he's got great stuff. The two of them, it's going to be really solid bullpen. 
So the answer is 437 combined between the two guys. Very good. Very good. Okay. Which leads me into the next question. Give me the top six, top six all-time career save leaders. Okay. Um, Revere is one. Dennis Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley is not on the list. Woo. He was a oh. starter much of his career. That uh, is correct. Lee Smith. Lee Smith is number three. Bruce so Suter. Suter is not on the list okay. of the top six. Okay. Um, Mariano Rivera, we said. Um, oh, oh, oh. Um, did he? Trevor um, San Diego. You're, I'll give you that. Trevor Hoffman is number Trevor two. Hoffman. He's yeah, number Trevor two on the list. Number two. Okay. So you got the first, second, and third guys. Now you're looking for numbers four, five, and six. Okay. Um, let's see here. What do you got, Grabber? Not um, Hoyt Wilhelm, no. What's that? He said Hoyt Wilhelm. Not saying he was actually Bill Negro, but he was a starter. Yeah, um, yeah. No, Phil Negro, not a closer. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Uh, no. Um, oh, Goose Gossage. Not Goose, surprisingly. Um, let's see here. Um, Who? Gossage was bad by the end of his career. Oh, yeah, I know he was bad, but most players are bad by the end of their career. I, well, I thought maybe he collected enough saves. Um, who won a lot? We got. A, was there anybody on the Reds that was ever a closer back in the Red Machine days? No, none of those guys. Not Charlton, not Dibble, neither one of those. Yeah, none of those guys. Is it? Are we going to be, like, mad that we didn't get it? Give us. A yeah, you'll be mad. You'll be mad. What, what team? Uh, one of them would be, well, one of them mostly with Houston. One of them mostly with the Mets. Oh, boy. So it was, uh... The one with Houston was a lefty. Holy shit. Who am I not thinking of? Um, and then the Mets. Oh, man. Kent DeColvey? No. What'd you say, Les? John Franco. John Franco is number five, so you got you're down to two more. Oh, oh, is is one of them Willie Hernandez? Uh, no. Damn. Still one of the st- Willie Will, Willie Hernandez winning the Cy Young one year still blows my mind. And he won the MVP. Day. That's right, he did. He I mean, great. he had a great season, but I think back to his Cub days, and I think this guy really won those two awards. Wow. He was the setup guy for Suter. Yeah. We got one more. Two more. Oh, yeah, I was wrong on Willie Hernandez. Um, God, who was the Mets guy? We already got it, Franco. Oh, Franco, right, right. All right, I'll give it to you. The Houston was Billy Wagner. Oh, yeah. Billy Wagner, and then Jeff Dandyman did have that one. And number four on the list is Francisco Rodriguez. Wow, okay, K-Rod. Yeah. All right, so I'll give you a couple others that are on the list. Bruce Suter, you mentioned he had 300 even career saves. And Bruce Suter was the most unhittable pitcher when he first came uh, up and was throwing that uh, knuckle curve or whatever. Yeah, it was a classic split, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Bert Hooten had the knuckle curve. 
But when he first came up, that ball just literally just like fell off the table. It was the most unhittable pitch. Nowadays, obviously, all, a lot of these guys throw it, but no one ever threw it better than he did. Don't, no tell, Ryan, don't tell Ryan Sandberg it was unhittable. Well, that one day, Sandberg got him that day for sure. That one day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got him for sure. And by the way, I was—I don't know if I told you this. Um, you, know who used to kill, you know who used to kill Bruce Suter? Ken Griffey Sr. He owned him. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, here's, here's another guy on the list, and it's so funny because I'm going to be on a Zoom with him um, on Wednesday night, um, Roberto Hernandez of the White Sox. Oh, wow. Yeah, a really good guy. Um, he had three. He lost his life at the time, and he recovered, I and mean, then he ended up having a great career. Yeah, what was it, like a staph infection, Les? What was it? it was some kind of a heart problem. Okay. Anyway, he had 326 career saves. So, okay. But I guess at this juncture – you know, maybe someone will come along. Mariano Rivera, 652, the leader of the pack. That's incredible. Yeah. What are you looking up, Mark? Is there a constellation up there? No, my I had my TV on pause, and it just turned on, so I'm trying to turn it off. Apparently, there's a time limit on how long you can pause a television show. Okay. What are you watching? What are you watching? I had uh, I had on uh, on Family Guy. So. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Yeah. You, you you don't think this is funny enough? Well, no. I, I it was you guys are funny enough and entertaining enough for me to pause the Family Guy about what about an hour and a half ago <laughs> or an hour right. ago. Well, I'm so happy that you were able to fit us in in between yucks. <laughs> He you know I love you. Hey, Les dropped out. Oh. <laughs> oh, the audio. Oh, okay. As long as you're still there, good. Okay. Anyway, um, well, you know, when we we started, we'd say hi, Mark, but now I guess we're gonna say bye, Mark. Bye, Mark. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mark. I look forward to seeing you somewhere soon, buddy. Hey, you guys are the best. Seriously, I love I love both you guys and hanging out with you guys and uh, anytime. So I'm sure I'll be bugging you guys too. So all I'll right, talk to you guys soon. All right, you take care. Thanks, thanks. That's Mark Grody. You, you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. And Les, you're gone. So uh, although your voice is still here, it's like beyond a grave or something. Anyway, we'll say good night and we'll talk to you. Uh, we're not going to be on next Sunday because the Cubs and the White Sox play next Sunday night. But we'll be on two weeks from tonight. So take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.